Maury Rose, the two-time winner, takes the lead from Faulkner. That's the way they finish the first lap. It's Schumacher! It's Schumacher! meeting about it, sticking on and send him out. Well, this has blown it for Irvine, blown it for Ferrari. I don't know what's happened. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jochum. Matt is here. We are going to go through some F1 news and then make some Portamount predictions. If we have time left, there's one other discussion we'll get to, but just... Just some news to get to before we we talk about Portimao. The sprint qualifying or sprint races, whatever you want to call them, have been officially approved and the details have been laid out. And so there now is a practice on Friday a qualifying session on Friday, which will set the order for this sprint race on Saturday. After Friday, the cars will be in park for May, so no changes can be made. Then the sprint race will be 100 kilometers, and the top three finishers will get points, and that will help set the grid for the race Sunday. So... And I believe there's a you're you're allowed a couple extra sets of tires as well for these weekends. But that being said, before we go any further, Matt, thoughts, concerns, excited? I think the two coolest parts about this, the one is the park for May rules that you said. Only getting one session to really dial in the car, I think is cool. So, you know, you get to the sprint race and let's say it just goes horrendously wrong, you're stuck. You know, you can't do anything about it. So you that first practice is going to be huge. Now, the uh, the second thing I like is that the sprint race, you're not required to make a pit stop. I kind of never really thought about that as far as just like uh, a normal rule within the race. I think that's something that maybe you should transfer over to, you know, the real race too and some sort of caveat that if you do pit, you have to go on to a different compound at some point. So if you do decide to do a one-stop, you can't just go from soft to soft. Uh, but I, I, it wouldn't mathematically make sense at most places to do a zero-stop because the hard tires over the course of a 50- to 70-lap race, you know, you're going to lose a second. But it's just something u- unique that someone wants to try it knock yourself out, you know, go ahead and try it. So I like that. I think, you know, obviously this is getting some negative reception. I am going to give it a chance. I think the idea of a qualifying race on paper sounds pretty stupid. I think we're going to see the qualifying race. And then unless there's mass anarchy in said qualifying race, a lot of it potentially is going to be the same in the race. You know, there could be, oddities here and there but i think you're going to kind of see mercedes get richer they're going to get points for qualifying first or second each time they do it too but at the same time this current q1 q2 q3 system doesn't really knock my socks off either so it's not like we're losing something great in the meantime so i'm I'm willing to give it a chance i'll see how it goes in these three venues i hope that if they don't work to the 
satisfaction of the FIA that maybe they will, um, you know, scrap it for next year or whatnot. Yeah, I haven't read if there's any kind of discussion on 2022, but yeah, on paper, you kind of look at it and you're like, eh, I don't know. But the more you dive into it, the more strategy it opens up. The fact that you, you know, similar to what we've said many times in IndyCar, you have to roll off the off the truck strong. Your, your car has to be dialed in by the end of that first practice. So it puts a lot more pressure on teams to go up there. Yeah, like like you said, it's probably going to be Mercedes up front. But I'm really interested to see how it goes. There's a lot of negativity, and I just don't get how there can be so much negativity when we we haven't actually seen it in action yet. Like it's, I I get it. It's some people are scared of change, but I I think it's something that's worth exploring. And and you and I have said multiple times that the Q1, Q2, Q2, Q3 is kind of whatever and kind of stale i'm open for a change so and yes i don't think this is something that should be in all 22 or 25 or 29 races whatever the f1 calendar is next year but to spice it up a handful of times a year i'm i'm all for it i'm I'm really interested to see how it goes yeah for sure see here and yeah the negativity is this your your first time on social media you know you would think it is because I get surprised every time I see an overwhelmingly large number of negative comments on a motorsports news article. And then like, I have that come to Jesus moment where I'm like, Oh, right. Motorsports fans are never happy. Yeah. I mean, we'll get some of that in our IndyCar episode. If, if you guys want to check that out too, we're going to talk about some of that for sure too. <laughs> so just a couple of quick notes. The first one is that formula one has signed a contract with Suzuka until 2024 Obviously, they did not race there last year with the crazy schedule and primarily focusing on Europe and the Middle East. So uh, back to Suzuka uh, this year on the schedule and then three more years after this year as well. So that's good news there. And McLaren wants to add additional test days uh, for 2022. Andreas Seidel citing the new rules for next year. You know, again, kind of with crazy times and, and whatnot, they've had gone for reduced uh, preseason testing uh, this last year. Uh, I think they got the normal slate in 2019. I'm sorry, 2020 before Australia. Yeah. I think everything was smooth sailing at that time still. That's, that seems pretty reasonable, right? I don't. At first, I was kind of like, oh, stop whining. And then I was like, you know, in 2020, they had normal because it really wasn't until Australia slash St. Pete for IndyCar where everything really went crazy last year. So preseason racing was still normal last year, as crazy as it is to think about. But yeah, I mean, listen, if you I don't I don't really have an issue with it, especially with as many changes that that there are coming next year. It's, it's probably not a bad idea. It's It's fine. Yeah, as long as costs come down or whatever, stay down, as long as teams aren't going to be hurting now or have to cut four employees just to do this because of the the budget cap, I think it's fine. So lastly, uh, before we get to two topics, uh, Zach Brown wants, you know, obviously a permanent U.S. Grand Prix, which is going to be Miami for the rest of ever. And he also wants a rotating second venue. Uh, Coda is out of a contract after this season 
and apparently in their contract was some sort of ironclad agreement saying there couldn't be a second race in America. Well, I think, you know, the FIA Liberty Media is going to give them big old middle finger on that one now, especially, I guess they already have since they've signed Miami. And this rotating venue could be Coda. It could be Indianapolis, or there's this rumors about this Vegas street race. So that would be unique and i'm curious to see how that would work it's kind of interesting to know you know we don't really talk about nascar too much but nascar is actually pushing for a street race in chicago i know i indycar would be pretty awesome there formula one i don't think it would work just because of the facilities that would be required would be enormous and expensive and i just don't see them doing that on a whim versus indycar and nascar don't require that much luxury per se so vegas coda indy maybe as a rotational type deal what do you uh what do you think of that also let's throw in Watkins Glen just for hoops and giggles even though it's not officially a rumor i'm just gonna add that to the rumor mill for for fun i i think this is a great idea okay you have one mainstay in the u.s or yeah one mainstay in the u.s they're going to be in Miami for the next 47 years. I think that's that was the contract. So, okay, that's fine. Rotate. I think we mentioned last year we would like to see the rotation of like the Porta Mouse and Turkey and and Imola, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously, we have some of them back again this year because of scheduling and COVID and whatnot. So, yeah, I I think it it opens up a lot more you know, a little bit of change every year in F1, which is a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. And I, I think out of the ones you listed Vegas street races, didn't, they, didn't F1 do Vegas or was that just IndyCar that did Vegas street? F1 did Caesars, I think for two or three years. Yeah. 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 And then cart did Caesars for a couple of years and then champ car did a Vegas, like a haphazard Vegas street race for a couple of years. Yeah. Like it wasn't really cool. And then obviously before the, no. the tragic events in 2011, IndyCar did like a display thing on the strip. That was super awesome. But, uh, the last like, you know, official race in Vegas that I could think of for open wheel was Oh seven for champ car. Yeah. All right, I'm listen. I I haven't been to Vegas since my uh, my my hotel room got robbed. So oh god, I, I forgot about that. Was... That's a story. I remember you you called me. Yeah. Did you get like a burner right away and just like called me? I'm like, oh god, that sounds terrible. I think I was on my way to work. I was like, that sounds terrible, man. I know I talked to you the night before, but I think my wife might have texted you. That's right. Because I was using. I was using a cowork I was using multiple coworkers phones to get through the day until I could get a new phone. Anyway, that is a story. I will gladly tell that story if if F1 or IndyCar come back to Vegas cuz I actually have one of my best friends who runs a a daily podcast here in the Philly area wants to move back to Vegas and I always give him a hard time because of my experience in Vegas the last time I was there. Now that we've gotten completely off topic, is, is it safe to say your cell phone, cell phone stayed in Vegas? Uh, my cell phone, my wallet, my credit cards, 
Yeah. Whoops. Thankfully, was... they didn't touch my computers. Well, that's good. That was a dad joke and a half on my part. I'm sorry. Anyways, yes, the okay. Zach... I kind of liked it. Zach Brown's idea. I like it. I uh, I would like to see this applied elsewhere too. So, um, maybe not to this degree, but uh, the German Grand Prix. Don't remember when. Maybe like oh four. It started alternating between. Hockenheim and Nürburgring every season. So one season we have Hockenheim, the next season have Nürburgring, and so on and so forth. And I think that would be cool in a place like Great Britain. I think if I would have to kind of read up on what venues are where as far as the safety rating, but like doing Silverstone, then maybe like Brands Hatch, then maybe Donington, and then switch it up. Uh, Italy, they could have two graces. So they have Mons every year, and then they do Imola and Jello. Maybe some of the... Uh, no disrespect. Maybe some of the smaller countries, quote unquote. So like maybe do Portimao one year and then thinking of there's there's a track in Finland that's got the FIA grade FIA grade one. Maybe go oh, there. Yeah. You know, just kinda like, you know track Kimmy that yeah. isn't related to Kimmy right Something like that. So just like something yeah. something to kind of freshen up the schedule, which is what we got last year. Not so much this year, but they can only do so much with the contract, so it makes sense why they couldn't do a whole lot this year. But just just something to kind of rotate it and, and keep it fresh every season would be kind of nice. Um, so if we got nothing left, we can uh, let's do our uh, venue talk. If you want to do that first, okay. uh, just since we've been yeah, since it. we're talking about venues, so we, Mike and I and the rest of social media got to see what we were kind of hoping for on the social media platforms this week, which was a virtual lap of the new Miami race. That's uh, coming next year. And we can get to Mike's, Mike's thoughts in a second about it here. But my thoughts were kind of, my fears came true a little bit. It looks a lot like Vietnam mixed with Sochi. I know we never raced at Vietnam, but as someone who's raced it on the Formula One game, Vietnam could be fun. But it's very tight, very fast, and the flow kind of sucks. It's just kind of a racetrack somewhere, but there's there's not a whole lot to it. Sochi, very fast, kind of got tight walls, but that track is devoid of feel. It is bland, boring, meh. And so it kind of fits in with this mold we've been getting of these new fast street races like a Baku Jetta later this year has potential, but it could also be a giant snooze. Um, and I just hope that this isn't the trend going forward that, you know, we're not going to be replacing tracks like Imola, Portimao, Magello, you know, some of these really, really good historic venues or like, you know, maybe they lose Brazil in place for, Vietnam in three years or something like that. So kind of want to get your thoughts about this, this kind of new mold that we've been getting with these street races. And then what were your thoughts about the Miami layout now that we've seen that virtual lap? So, yeah, I mean, listen, I know that's the trend. It's, it's easier to do that than build an entire new racetrack, especially with the, you know, cost of a racetrack and and everything that goes into it. We saw how quickly the Amazon rainforest one got got shut down for environmental reasons and whatnot. So I get it, and I'm I personally really like street races. So I really like Baku. I 
don't like Sochi, even though it's not technically a street race. But I saw the Miami layout lap. I am kind of like cautiously intrigued. Some of the flowy, fast sectors, kind of like there's like an S-type section in the middle. And I could be getting this wrong because I haven't watched it since last week whenever it came out. But I think it's better than, definitely better than Vietnam looked. And cautiously, I will say a step up on Sochi. I'm not going to say it's like the most great, amazing layout on the world, but it's it's definitely... Has it has potential, and I think the new cars in 2022 with a essentially the new cars might make it even better than we're expecting. So I'm I'm like kind of cautiously optimistic right now. If that's I know it's kind of boring to say, but that's okay. It's the truth because you know this this race and the race in Saudi Arabia could be the greatest things ever. You never know. I mean. I'm not going to sit here and say to the people that when I saw Baku the first time, I'm like, what in the heck? They're driving through a castle? Like, who who thought that was a good idea? But uh, Baku actually puts on some of the best races we may ever see. I mean, they're definitely up there for sure. So I guess you can't really judge until we get there. But kind of leads us into this discussion we're about to have. The um, top five F1 venues since 1990. So Mike and I are going to start each at five and go down to number one, which is our all-time favorite. And so I'm. this was more just a discussion piece. And honestly, I was just kind of curious to see where Mike lined up and if we had similar answers or if some of his were older or newer or whatnot. So Mike, take away. What was your number five and why? So let's put a quick little note in there that these venues don't have to be newer than 1990, just have raced since 1990, as I asked you this morning when we were talking about it, just so people aren't like, well, Monza was created before 1990. It's not my top, it's not my number five. I do want to give an honorable mention. At the time, it was called Tanaka Circuit. Now it's called <laughs> Okayama International Circuit. It wasn't like the most amazing racing ever. It was kind of a slow course for F1 standards, but there was something always intriguing about watching those old, the the old races. I only raced there for like three years, but I kind of just dug the unique, slowish cornering almost through the entire track. It was like if you take the Suzuka short layout in the F1 game, it's it's got that, but with a couple extra hard right-handers. Anyway... My number five is going to be Spa. Love the track. Definitely one of the most epic of all times. Typically produces some pretty great F1 races. I Last year was, you know, had that Gasly pass and had a couple other really good passes. Hasn't produced the greatest racing overall in the hybrid era, but overall, I mean, you, you have to have Spa in there somewhere. So quick follow up on that. Do you like spa more back in the day with the bus stop or do you prefer the new spa with like the new pit lane and the new kind of like final chicane leading onto the front straight? What if I like both? You can't cause they're both good do in their own way. One? I mean like the obviously new spa is modern and, uh, yeah, unquote, I honestly, like safer. It's, it's not like Spain where they completely butchered the last corner, like both, 
versions of Spa are are pretty damn good. So I honestly would be fine with either. Fair enough. Uh, my number five is going to be Turkey. Uh, Turkey is one of three tracks that Herman Tilk has designed that I've actually liked. I think it's got the perfect blend of elevation change, fast corners, passing zones, slow corners. That back straight is epic because you can get some really good passing into the final segment there. As we saw last year with the dramatic finish between Perez, Leclerc, and Vettel. So um, I missed that track. I wish it would make a, a full-time return. It was a little weird last year with kind of lack of grip, but uh, it, it still kind of ticks all my boxes for what I would want in a track. All right, what do you got for number four? Interlagos. I love that place. I hope it never goes away. I'm super glad the Amazon track didn't come to fruition, obviously for the environmental reasons, but I really love you know kind of the middle sector where it's a lot of tight and windy, then it kind of opens up through the straightaway, then you have a fast that fast DRS zone in, in sector one. So I just think it's one of the tracks that, and also if if you if you go off course, there's no you know wide range of tarmac to save yourself. You're you're in the gravel or in the in the grass, and and you pay the price. Can you confirm to the people at home that we did not share our our picks before this? No, I didn't even write down my picks until about forty five minutes ago. No, no, about two hours ago when when you were at the auto body uh, auto shop. Yeah, so I also have Interlagos as number four for basically the same reasons that you stated. I mean, obviously, certain things have changed, like the pit entrance, pit exit, and um, some added runoff in certain parts of the track. But overall, it's pretty much kind of stayed the same for a lot of the years, and it's the reason it's they don't need to change something that's already amazing. It's just a great circuit. It's had some unbelievable championship deciding races and it is just a, a phenomenal track. Okay. My number three is going to be Silverstone. I just love, I love Silverstone. It's a couple long straightaways going through maggots and Beckett's every corner has a name there and I can never remember the name outside of that section. It's just, it all, it typically produces good racing almost year in and year out. And, and this year we get to see the sprint qualifying or sprint race there. So I'm super intrigued to see how that goes. Last year's race there was, I forget if it was the first or the second one there last year was, was pretty epic. So I've always enjoyed watching Silverstone. Same question as before old Silverstone, new Silverstone or impartial. Both are good. Because I, I really miss Bridge. New Silverstone. I, I really liked Bridge Corner, and I really liked Turn 1 being that flat right. But yeah, I mean, New Silverstone is pretty, pretty awesome still. That's probably actually, I think I answered not too long ago, it's my favorite track to race on the F1 game. It's just you, you're, the I car. I love, love playing that game. And yeah. That game. yeah. It, your car just feels like it's about to go at any second. Like every corner you're going through, like, is it going to hang on? So it, it's, it just makes it fun and challenging. Uh, my number three is Old Hockenheim, the one that was basically good choice. Five long straights and then the stadium section. And greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and, in turn, make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads. 
But this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with a pro tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! On paper, you know, you look at it and like, well, that's pretty easy, but I feel like getting the setup right for that track is extremely hard because you probably not running too much downforce you just want to trim the thing out but then you get to the the stadium section and the the tight chicanes and whatnot and it's like how i can't imagine the cars are super easy to handle through those sections if your car is trimmed out to the max and it just produced some really fun racing i remember senna and his inferior mclaren car on the final lap racing patrese down to the the stadium section and then defending with all of his might and Patrese tried to move that didn't work and beached it. And I think that gave Schumacher the podium, if I'm not mistaken, in 91 or 92. So really fun track. I was really sad when they, they basically modified or whatever ruined it. <laughs> I mean, the new Hockenheim's all right. It's, it's, not, the it's not the same though. So that was 2001, I think was when they ruined it. So 2001 or 2002, uh, one of those years. So, Kind of bummed about that, but uh, long for the days of old Hockenheim. So I'm up to my number two. Number two, Montreal. I think it's one of the cooler. It's not the most difficult track by any means, but it's fast. It's got a couple tight corners and then that hairpin slash kind of little chicane there before you head back onto the, the, the start finish line. It's just really, I just love that. Love that track. And Fingers crossed it's not canceled this year, although it doesn't look super promising right now. Yeah, not looking good. But, yeah. Did you uh, get there when you went to Montreal for your brother's party, bachelor party? We walked by. I didn't get to go to, like, like actually walk on on, uh, the start-finish line spot. The name is escaping me now that we're talking about it. Circle Gilles But... Yes, thank you. 
we we were around the corner from there at some park hanging out. So we were we were you were close, close by Montreal, by the way. Yeah. If you've never been to Montreal, even if you don't go for the F1 race, is one of the most epic places to to visit outside of the country. Yeah, fun fact about me, that's where I wanted to propose to my wife. They, we Our first vacation together was there, but when I did the math to go back a second time, we were uh, we were not flush for cash at the time, so I, we uh, did not <laughs> opt to go back. But uh, yes, Montreal is an amazing city. I can definitely vouch for that. I really want to get back at some point. Number two for me, uh, speaking of street races, the gold standard for street races, in my opinion, which is Adelaide, which uh, hosted races between 86 to 96. And other than the torrential downpour race after, (laughs) I think it was Senna versus Prost, 89, was the torrential downpour race. Or maybe it was 80. One of those years, because Prost threw a fit, and parked his car. Or maybe that was 80. I can't remember. One of those years, basically, they ran like 11 laps and had to call it and gave everybody quarter points or half points because uh, it was just too bad to race. And I think that's one of the years that Senna won the title. But other than that year where there basically wasn't a race because it rained so hard, I I can't think of one of those races that wasn't amazing. But for one reason or another, you had Mansell's tire failure. You had Schumacher versus Hill. You had Nigel Mansell in what was supposed to be his final career race getting taken out by Senna. Uh, just so many good memories. The track was a car killer. It was, you know, mechanical failures galore. So it made things on edge and interesting. And teams had to show up with, you know, really reliable cars. Uh, it was fast. It had technical parts. It had good passing zones. It felt like every race was an hour and 50 minutes even though it wasn't like strictly speaking longer per se as far as like venue length but it just seemed like every race was like super cool and intriguing and anything could happen at any point and just captivated me to no end so i i'm bummed that they don't go to adelaide anymore i think the layout is different now that the supercars run there but i'd like to see it back and it's way better in albert park in my opinion so I uh, I definitely miss those days. Number one, let let me ask you this: Can you guess my number one? And it's not we, mine because you already you already said mine. So yeah, is it gonna? It's not Indianapolis, is it? No, Monza. No, although that that would be like in the honorable mention category. Number one for me is Suzuka. I love Suzuka. It's one of the. There, I just. I I love everything about that track. There's no section of that track that I would want to change. I was super bummed that they didn't get to race there last year. Hopefully everything works out there this year. It's also one of the tracks I love using in the F1 video games. It's just one that I might not necessarily be great at, but I always just have a good time and maybe in a perfect world, I would get to go there one day. Yes, it's uh, speaking of tracks that have had championship deciders like Interlagos, there have been some epic championship moments in Suzuka. We should do we should do a special episode in the offseason about championship epic finishes like Senna versus Prost times two and uh, Schumacher finally clinching a title for Ferrari for the first time in forever and others like that. But yeah, Suzuka's had some really good ones. I just... Uh, 
I just saw Kamui Koyashi in 2012 have an epic podium run in front of his home crowd. And that was obviously a really cool moment. Takuma Sato, fifth in 03, I think. Jumped in for... Sounds about right. Or no, sorry. Maybe it was 04. One of those years, Jack Villeneuve kind of got put out of the seat, I think. And Sato jumped in and got points immediately, and it was really awesome. So... Uh, my number one is old spa. I do like new spa. New spa still produces awesome races, but I, I really miss the bus stop. I miss the lack of runoff. Um, obviously spa is very dangerous track, so it makes sense that we've progressed to that point to have runoff, but it was much more punishing back in the day. Had some amazing races. Um, 98 stands out. Obviously I know, uh, the start wasn't great. It was terrible. One of the worst starts in Formula One history. But uh, if we're ignoring that, the rest of the races are awesome. In the rain, uh, the Schumacher versus Coulthard was unreal. Uh, just reading into what happened there and everything that happened afterwards. And Schumacher wanted to go plant one in Coulthard's face was was epic. And Hakkinen's pass on Schumacher and Zonta was epic. So... So many great memories there. I uh, applaud them for kind of upgrading it, both facility-wise and safety-wise. But, uh, you know, I could sit here and be old man yelling at the clouds and say I miss it because that was our number one venue. But if uh, we'd love to hear your top venue in Formula One history. So if you have one, feel free to chime in on our social medias and and we can uh, maybe share some of the results that we get there next week on the episode. Yeah, good work there. I, I enjoyed I, I spent a lot of time looking at old track layouts while you were getting new tires put on your car because <laughs> I, for the life of me, I was trying not to just do like Monza spa. Like I was trying to, you know, branch out. I don't want to say think outside the box, but put a little thought into it. So now this weekend, guys, we have Portimao, which means we have practice Friday morning at six thirty. Practice two Friday at 10 a.m., qualifying Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern, and Sunday. The race is at 10 a.m. Eastern, which means I will be doing a live pre-race show Sunday morning at like 9.30. Matt will be in Texas doing IndyCar stuff, so I'll have a surprise special guest on. And it's going to be a surprise because I haven't even figured out who it is as of Tuesday night. So... I saw Matt's face there like, well, who is it? I'm like, I don't even know yet. So that it's going to be a surprise for everybody. Well, I'm, and can I tell you what I'm worried about? Because you mentioned my tires. I got uh, I got yes. Michelin's and I just hope that I'm Uh-oh. not driving on any Uh-oh. diamond cut roads anytime soon. <laughs> Better not go to Indy. No, like literally there's potholes everywhere. <laughs> Sorry to all the Indi- Indianapolis residents who are now throwing their phones across their cars in frustration. Anyway, top five last year from Portimao were Lewis Hamilton, Valtteri Bottas, Verstappen, Leclerc, Gasly. Only two things of of importance to note kind of before we dive into our predictions. Aston Martin is bringing some aero upgrades this weekend, mainly focused on their side pod area of the car. So hopefully that gives them a, a little advantage versus what they've had the first two weeks. And, They continue to work on the deficit because of their high rake set up to the car. And I'm sure we'll hear this weekend how they're suing the FIA for some 
garbage. And Callum Eilat, who I don't think is in F2 this year, not not to my knowledge, will be taking place in FP1 Friday morning for Alfa Romeo. So good to see Callum kind of surface. I think he's still a Ferrari reserve driver, Ferrari Academy driver, or something like that. So happy for him. I think, well, actually, Matt, while you while you make your first prediction, I'm going to look, let's see here, Formula 3. Is there any junior series this weekend? Let's see. Yeah, I, sh- I typically would write this. And nope, there is, there is no. We don't have any. We don't have any. F3 or F2 this weekend, really? The new schedule's garbage. Ah, I'm so angry. I mean, that's fine. I, I like the three F2 or F3 races in one weekend. Where's my Twitter? No, we have no... Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go angrily complain on Twitter. Uh, yeah, there. F3 is in Spain. F2 isn't back until Monaco. So we've got a couple weeks for both there. Just wanted to clear that up before I dive into predictions. But... Let's let's switch up the order of predictions here, Matt. Let's go with your bottom five driver to join with Haas and maybe Williams or maybe Alfa Romeo because it seems to be interchang- interchangeable between those two teams. I am going to go with, I guess, I don't know, Vettel, I guess. Vettel, okay. Still my answer there. So... Well, you, you I took another bullet on my chamber with Alfa Romeo. I didn't know who I didn't know who to pick. Yeah, I know, I know. I am gonna go with Esteban Ocon. I kind of I was about to start typing that before you even talked. <laughs> <laughs> okay, your dark horse top five. Dark horse top five. I am gonna go with who's a good dark. Let's go with uh, our boy Fred. I think they Alpine seems to be a little more confident that their upgrades from last weekend will be good this weekend. So um, that'll help them here. I th- I think so. It doesn't seem to be anything like Imola. There's a lot more fast corners here. So who knows? All right, I am going to take Pierre Gasly. He kind of had a rough race two but rebounded for p7 after somebody's penalty put him up from p8 to p7 so respectable finish there so and i know he finished fourth or fifth i mentioned here last year so i think that team's that team's gonna have a good weekend again all right matt who's gonna have an all around bad weekend i have no faith in both at the moment so whether it's like a P5 or something by his, by his standards, it's going to be bad. I just, I have zero faith in him right now. I am going to say Carlos Sainz is due for a bad weekend. I don't know why. This is a total gut feeling, which means I'm per- he's bound for a podium, but. Hey, did you see how I did in the fantasy and league? You're good for the- Whew, I think only Joakim the fourth, or sorry. Yeah, Joakim the fourth was the only one that beat me this week. Yeah, my my dad is leading fantasy IndyCar, which is very typical because my literally so for the last like six years for those who are interested, my dad and I have always done fantasy IndyCar and this year we expanded it to Pit Lane Parley listeners. He beats me like every year. And yet again he's beating me. Although I I had a solid weekend. Like I think in IndyCar fantasy I'm like 
seventh or eighth overall in the league out of 25. So I'm, I'm, I'm not off to the worst start ever. Yeah. All right. Good weekend. I think George Russell is going to hopefully still be a passionate young lad this weekend. Hopefully uh, this, yeah. the, the non-existent backlash that he's been getting on social media fuels him. And hopefully this, you know, some motivation to kind of prove some of maybe the Mercedes big wigs wrong. So um, I'm, I'm expecting by his standards, he'll have a good weekend. I am going to say Daniel Ricardo has his best weekend in a McLaren car and comes home with a good result this weekend. Wait, anything else? Do we miss but anything? There are some minor news things, but nothing that we can't get to when we have more time. Nothing super interesting, unless you want to talk about story time <laughs> popping up on social media over the weekend again, which I don't even I don't even want to talk about. I'm I, I had I had a good day today. We don't we don't need to go down that rabbit hole of hell. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> on that note, guys, again, thank you for listening. Enjoy all the racing this weekend, both IndyCar and F1. I will, as always, post the link to the pre-race live show. I think we should be able to get it on YouTube this weekend. Now, now that my YouTube live stream ban is over. So tune in, enjoy the weekend and enjoy the racing. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.